Welcome in to episode number 10 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I can't believe I've done 10 of these. This is very exciting. First off, right off the bat, I want to thank everybody that listens to all of these episodes. They have been so well received. It's been absolutely an amazing few months. I've got to interview some of the biggest Canadian comedians out there and American comedians out there and comedians and people in the comedy industry and TV show makers and producers and stand-ups and improvs. And it's been absolutely awesome. I'm having the best time. So I want to thank everybody for listening. It's very, very cool. And I'm doing a big episode number 10 to celebrate the 10th episode. It's a huge one for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Before I tell you who's on it, I want to remind you, go to CanadianComedyHall.com, sign up to vote. The list of nominees is on our website. You can vote on the performers category. All you have to do is become a member of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And you can vote. You can have your say on who gets into the hall just this year in 2022. One of those nominees is Dan Aykroyd. Uh, I did a little episode on, on Dan Aykroyd. I have his very good friend, Jim Belushi, on the show. Had a great chat with Jim. We talked about the Blues Brothers, of course. We talked about SNL and, and his time there, his first episode with John Candy. And if, we talked cannabis for a little bit, too. Jim runs Belushi's Farm. So I'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, it's Anthony Corelli. Now, you might know him better as Santino Marella. And if you watched wrestling like I did in the early to mid 2000s, he was a huge star and he's still beloved amongst wrestling fans. Santino brought the comedy to wrestling. That's why I wanted to talk to him. I reached out to Santino because I'm thinking, what more is there to comedy? Of course, comedy is stand up. Of course, it's improv. Of course, it's sketch, but it's so much more. It's in all aspects of entertainment. And that's what I wanted to bring to this show. Comedy is in every single aspect of pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is a funny thing to begin with. And and Santino and I talked about it. I had a ton of fun. He's Canadian, plays an Italian on TV. I just had an absolute blast just getting the inside scoop on what these guys go through to put together a pro wrestling show. We talked a little bit about Vince McMahon, the king of pro wrestling. We talked a lot about creating content in the ring. And we talked about what Santino's doing now. So I hope you enjoy it. My interview with Anthony Corelli, better known as Santino Marella. I am personally a huge fan of yours. Uh, I'm a big pro wrestling guy. And when I was thinking of doing an episode on kind of the comedic aspect of, of pro wrestling, I, I thought of you instantly. So this is this is a real treat for me. So thank oh, you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> thank you. I, I knew you were, you were the judo champ, the Canadian judo champion, right? When oh, you were... Long time ago, yeah. I won. I won. I won the nationals one year. Yeah. Yeah. When did kind of wrestling come into the fold for you? Uh, after university. Yeah. And, and then you trained in Japan, correct? Yeah, I lived in Japan for a year, so I had like six indie matches in Ontario, and then, uh, you know, I wanted to make something happen quickly. So the only connection we had at the time was in Japan. So I packed up and went over there, and I figured if I get really popular over there, you know, they'd bring me back or recruit me or something like that back here yeah was was the comedic and i don't even know if you call it like comedic or comedy but was that aspect always kind of part of your pro wrestling uh character um, or journey not, not always not in japan um in obw 
Yeah, there was a, a version of Boris Koloff that was kind of comedic when I was Boris. And then when I became Boris Alexiev, that was that was very serious. And then Santino, the comedy thing kind of, you know, really developed with Santino. I didn't have a prior uh, history being a comedic wrestler. Who, who would you kind of say are the best comedic wrestling? Obviously, like, I, I actually, I had Andrew Fung on the show. I think, you know, you did an improv thing with Andrew. He was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Kim's Convenience, right? Yeah. And I, I, and he's a big, big pro wrestling guy. I asked him who are the best comedic wrestling acts, performers of all time, and he said you instantly. He was your first, your your first oh, one. Oh, wow, that's cool. Um, so I'm I'm curious who you have on that list. Oh, Bobby Heenan, I think is the best of all time. Oh yeah, he he's 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 just so witty and quick and funny and combination of spontaneous wit, but also like established jokes. I mean. Jerry Lawler as well. He's he's funny, man. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of been there for so long. He's such a, a staple. You kind of overlook him sometimes, but he, he's really funny. Uh, the Rock was the Rock was funny. Yeah, the Rock Rock was pretty funny. So they're, they're all kind of funny funny guys that are there now. But the funniest of all time to me is is Bobby Heenan. Yeah, the brain. He was so good on commentary and the mic. Like I I kind of, I guess when I was watching, it was more the commentary aspect for me, more so than from the managing side that I remember. But you, you said Lawler too. It's funny because Lawler went from this, um, I don't know if you call it like the dirty, edgy humor to now yeah. when I see him on like WrestleMania countdown and stuff, it's more dad jokes that yeah, he's yeah. doing, but they land, they're great. Yeah, he was in the Attitude Era and he was, yeah, he was, you know, keeping up with it, if not, you know, kind of leading it a little bit. Like he has, he had some racy, racy puppies and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 How important is the like level levity, that comedy segment to a wrestling show on a whole? I think of this year's WrestleMania and you had like the Sami Zayn with Johnny Knoxville, jackass thing happening. And that is kind of being, when, when you read about it on the internet, that is like a beloved segment that happened this year, but just on a whole, how is that comedy segment? Uh, how how much is that needed? I guess in a wrestling show. Yeah, it, it's it's very very much needed. There, there's comedic relief in every everything. The most serious movies, um, you know, Shakespeare obviously, you know, it's very popular for having comedic relief. But uh, every show has it, and this is like this is a show like I mean. It's a show like no other, but it's also like no other show. It, it needs it. Mm-hmm. And plus, especially because we're dealing with, uh, you know, violence is our medium, right? You know, we're simulating violence and fighting. So it, it needs it more than most things to kind of lighten up the mood, especially when it's two guys that don't like each other. And it's, it can get very serious, you know? Someone's, the, the evil villain's trying to hurt somebody. It's dark. So... I always tell people, you need, you know, when you get sushi, you get the little pickled ginger to cleanse your palate. And it's the same thing with comic relief and wrestling, man. You have a a very serious mood, but if a serious mood follows a serious mood, follows a serious mood, you know, you're losing that, that taste. You got to cleanse your palate with some comic relief. And then you can get the full effects of the seriousness afterwards what's what's the improv aspect of that like like um when you're doing like your shows of on wwe or, or or when you're doing shows now like how important are those improv skills to bring it back to like a core capacity of comedy 
Yeah, it's important to bring it back for that, but also just for the production aspect. You know, we have commercial breaks coming. You got to hit your times. You got to be able to wrap it up, tie it up, make it make sense. Um, the level of improv comes with uh, trust and experience. You know, when I first started, I would have, you know, a written page or two to, to memorize. And then as, you know, along the continuum, then I got, you know, bullet points and then just points. And maybe then, then someone would just tell me what we, they wanted me to say. And, you know, slowly I can become more, more creative and more spontaneous and do it in my own way, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I was there, you know, for quite some time. So I think uh, some of the new guys, you have to earn that, that trust. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, when I was with Stone Cold one time in the ring, he immediately went off script, but I, you know, I knew I was in good hands. So I wasn't, mm -hmm. very, I wasn't nervous and uh, just kept up and kind of, we just played off each other. Um, yeah, but, but for the new, new young guys, and because there's commercial breaks and segment times, um, you can't be too spontaneous. Just, you know, you have to stick to the time frame. You mentioned Stone Cold. I want to bring up another legend, Mick Foley. You went toe to toe with him, uh, Mr. Sacco versus your your uh, Snake. What what was that moment like when you guys were battling battling it out in the ring? Yeah, you know what that moment it. it uh, it was awesome. We really enjoyed it, but it was supposed to go a little longer. Okay. Once they, once they locked up and Cody Rhodes, he broke it up too soon. <laughs> we were supposed to go like all the way across the ring and the other guy comes all the way. Like it was supposed to be more of an epic battle. You know, the, yeah. whole sh the showdown part was good. You know, the way we turned around time putting on our respective socks yeah. And uh, that was all good. Then when we locked up, that was supposed to be. So, so although it's a very funny, historic kind of moment, you know, I, there's a part of me that always like, oh, I was supposed to be better. Yeah. I, remember um, getting, I actually remember getting mad at Cody when he kind of <laughs> broke it up. Like, that was supposed to go longer. <laughs> that would have been epic. Side to side, post to post, all over the like, ring. You know, you see like, like magicians and their spells going back and forth. And yeah. That's yeah. kind of what we were envisioning. But putting yeah. that together was so fun with him. That was my, it was my idea. And the, the more I just kept explaining it to him, he was literally just kind of smiling going, <laughs> he loved it. He just, it was actually one of his most favorite things. He talks about that as being, you know, top whatever five favorite moments was, was doing that. And if you watch it, the entire time he has this just hilarious grin on his face. He's having the best time in the world. He's, he's a big kid at heart and this is, you know, it's right up his alley. You can really tell that with him, that he just he just has the best time entertaining. I mean, he, yeah. he, I don't know if he's still doing the comedy club circuit, but he was. And, um, yeah. and I saw him a few years ago, and it just like he was having a blast. He just likes to entertain and be on stage, right? Yeah, he's so eloquent, too. I, I made these notes a while ago, because we, we've been trying to connect here for a little while. And one of my notes, it's just funny to me reading it, is all I wrote was, unibrows will always be funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you rock the unibrow for a while. It's one of those physical things that I just like, that'll always be funny to me. Yeah. I kept ribbing myself by coming up with these silly things and Vince thought it was so funny. And then I had to do it for so long. The unibrow after a while, I was kind of sick of it. And I, try, I was trying to get out of it and Vince would be like, Hey, where's your unibrow? And, uh, he, he caught me. So I had to put it back on. Um, but was it yeah, a, 
Was it a real unibrow? Like you no, grew it was or... mascara. It was just okay. mascara. It took me yeah, two yeah. seconds. I just go bling, 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 and it was on. Yeah. But it there looked... was a guy I saw once in the Toronto airport, and he was like, hey, look at me. Hey, he pointed to his unibrow. And he had like a real unibrow. And then he looks at me like, I just, I betrayed him, you know? And like, like what? Yeah. Like, you, you gave me hope. You gave me a second life with this curse of a unibrow. You, you know, because of you, I thought it was okay. And you don't even have a real one. I remember when Anthony Davis came out and uh, with his unibrow plays yeah. for the Lakers now and people on Twitter were like, he made, Anthony's made the unibrow cool. I was like, no, Santino did it before. Like I was <laughs> made a point of that. Um, I read somewhere the eighties sitcoms influenced you a lot. What, what sitcoms specifically kind of influenced oh, you in, in, in uh, your the career? 80s, you know, Three's Company even, you know? Yeah. And uh, from Who's the Boss and all the family shows. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, even Dukes of Hazard, like all that kind of old old stuff um, that we used to just, we, I, we used to watch. Three, Three's Company, believe it or not, was, it was, yeah, that was, I was watched it for so long. Some of the slapstick humor and, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting right now, but shows like that were always so good. Your sister, Santina, won Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal, played by you, not to give away any spoilers or secrets here. How was that pitched to you? Well, I, I knew it was coming because, uh, you know, they told us what, what we're going to do for Mania. But it was a whole, you know, battle of the genders thing leading up to that and Santino being insecure with this big alpha female, you know, trying to always show that he's macho. And, and this was supposed to be, you know, the, the culmination of, of that. But it was only supposed to be for one night. But Vince was cracking up so hard at it that it ended up lasting for like three months. Um, so every week, yeah, three months, get the lashes on and sit in the makeup chair. And, and, then, Don, and then Donald Trump fired me Well, her. <laughs> Vince, I, I mean, I think there's a Vince movie coming out. I think there's one in the works that I've read. I would really? love to see like a full Netflix biopic on that guy what an what amazing character probably beside behind the scenes just such an an amazing mind for entertainment and and wrestling right like what what a guy to work for oh yeah no i i am a huge huge vince fan of just as as a man as an entrepreneur as a person who has a tremendous tremendous work ethic um he just does stuff that people aren't supposed to be able to do you know be there at 7 a.m and his tie is not even crooked like all day you know his, it's, it's incredible and then he works out at like two in the morning yeah um and he's at the meetings he's just he's, he's incredible uh, and this is when he was already older imagine when he was younger a guy like that's unstoppable is really unstoppable mm-hmm. um excellent he's a combination of of uh you know, having a natural instinct, business instinct, entertainment instinct, as well as, you know, having a formal education with regards to commerce, finance, whatever, whatever it is. And then you match that with this like insane work ethic, but he's also someone who's kind of wired different. I think he that like, he like, sleeps three hours or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, his little stations, wherever he's going to be working, there's like, protein bars, Red Bulls, and Tic Tacs. And, that, and that's, that's Vince's station. It just, he just goes, man. I, uh, I love the story that Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, used to, 
used to tell when he was he was pitching the character of, of Razor Ramon to Vince and the movie Scarface was huge at the time. But Scott knew that, you know, Vince is so in this involved in this world that he there's no way he'd ever had seen Scarface. So we pitched him on Scarface, right? He lives, breathes, breathes, sleeps WWE every day. What, one thing uh, that always amazed me with you is is the accents and, and the acting involved where where did like kind of your ability to pick up in those dialects come from well yeah it's funny um the the santino accent kind of evolved throughout the years a little borat little nacho libre you know um growing up in mississauga and our, our new neighborhood was a uh, was built in 1981 and we all kind of moved in in 1982 and my entire street i i don't think there was one set of parents that were born in Canada. Right. So it was Italian, Croatian, Greek, you know, us, Korean, Italian, a lot of Italians, Portuguese, Polish. And so all the kids, right, you know, they just had parents that butchered the language and had funny expressions. And, you know, because often when you are learning a language, you are translating the language directly from your language. And, 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 Grammatically, it doesn't make sense, um, but but it. I mean, no, sorry, it makes perfect sense, but it's just not the way you would normally speak. So it's kind of funny, you know. Um, you know, someone in French would say, "Hey, undo those things there, the buttons." You know, like that kind of yeah. thing. It's kind of backwards. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I had a, a plethora of, of content to choose from. And uh, it's really just a compilation of <laughs> my my neighborhood and my friends' parents and my parents and my uncles. Not my parents, my parents. My dad came here when he was like eight years old from from Italy. Right. He wasn't like off the boat in his twenties, but you know my my uncle and my grandparents and all that stuff. They were, uh, yeah. So I just it's a combination of uh, people with European accents speaking English. When you would go do uh, tours in Italy, did people did people assume you were Italian when you were over there? Uh, it's kind of interesting. So people, it doesn't, you know, you, you don't have to. You are Italian, sorry. You are uh, yeah. Italian heritage, but like, yeah. Yeah, but you don't have to dig too deep to find out he's, I'm Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they were, because I, I was kind of worried about how they're going to take me pretending to be Italian, but then pretending to be kind of a goof, you know, yeah. like, why is this guy being a goof when he's not really a- Italian, but they, you know, after going to Italy and kind of talking to people and saying, like, how do, how do you guys, they're like, yeah, yeah, we know you're Canadian, but we, we don't care. We know your dad's from Italy and that you, we're just glad that there's an Italian character, regardless of how, you know, super authentic. But it's funny, since I became Santino, I actually became an Italian citizen. Um, oh wow my dad got his canadian citizenship after i was born so i was entitled to it so i have an italian passport and i really did you know study study the language uh quite a bit enough to go back and cut a promo in in italian and then a couple years later i even got a tutor and i was able to do a live interview on the radio and on tv uh in italian so i was yeah that was i was nervous as heck for that but it was great. They're, they're so forgiving, you know. I'm being harder on myself than they're going to be. Uh, and the, you know, the people on the news station, they said, "Look, if you get stuck, just say the word in English." Like, F, everyone speaks English here anyway. Yeah. And I think I did have to say one word in English, but it was 
that's no problem at all. Uh, yeah. But it, the first time I did a promo in Italy, a full Italian promo, there was Italian guys, some of the crew, like, yeah, you really are Italian. Oh, wow, we thought you were, you know. And uh, so, yeah, they kind of believed it a bit. That's awesome. You're still involved in pro wrestling, right? Still doing indie shows. I saw recently you were you went over to Europe. Yeah, right? I, I pick and choose a couple, you know, maybe one, one every couple months if it's a destination I like. And, um, you know, for example, yesterday there's a show in Puerto Rico, but it's by, you know, uh, Primo and Epico. So I'm like, yeah, for those guys, I'll go down, whatever, I'll wrestle 10, 15 minutes, but it's the whole weekend down there with the guys getting to see the kids and families and, you know, catching up and shooting the breeze and all that stuff. Uh, I coach wrestling. Um, for years, I was on a show called Aftermath on Sportsnet where we, we talked about, right. you know, the week that was in WWE. So I'm still, I'm still around it very much. Now, now I'm doing commentary mostly. Uh, yeah. Commentary for Destiny Wrestling, uh, PTW in Poland, uh, a company in Montreal, um, MEW. And uh, basically, I'm just trying to get more more reps. I did some for for Impact, and eventually, I want to go, you know, to WWE or to WWE yeah. in some That's capacity awesome. as a commentator. But it's <laughs> like anything; you got to learn it, and you got to develop your your flavor. Um, I was doing reps as with my regular voice and then you know kind of realizing that ah, i'm gonna have to do it in the santino voice you know there's just so much equity there in the character and it's much more entertaining when i flick the switch and become santino anyway so i have to take some of my own advice i always tell my students you know you got to stand out do something different and then here i am trying to do what everybody else is is already doing so i'm gonna i'm gonna i think moving forward be uh in character when i do color commentary but just not as full-blown mm -hmm. you know hard to understand like just sentino light right <laughs> i couldn't imagine like i um uh, come from the world of radio and, and sports broadcasting is what what i did kind of after college a little bit calling hockey games i couldn't imagine like doing a game keeping everything in check you know plus uh, plus an accent but i mean I, I guess you're so used to it now right yeah, it's second, it's second nature. I, I don't, it's funny if I'm getting interviewed as myself, um, you know, I can get stuck for a word sometimes and, you know, kind of reach a dead end in, in, in a sentence, but as Santino, never, it's so weird. Also, I, I just want to touch on Battle Arts Academy before we go. I have a daughter who does Muay Thai. Um, yeah, she's, she's right into it. So um, absolutely loves it. So Battle Arts Academy in Toronto, boxing, Muay Thai, obviously the pro wrestling, judo, kind of, kind yeah, of we, everything right yeah we, we've kind of boiled it down now so I, I took away the judo because we, we have one large bat area um but to, to to divide that into three different programs you mm. know it's the slices are a little too small in terms of time so now we just do two we do uh jujitsu uh, and amateur wrestling okay then later at night we do you know pro wrestling and then the and the striking area is yeah muay thai and boxing and then we awesome. do the you know, group fitness and stuff. And of course, uh, pro wrestling shows and all that stuff. So the gym actually transforms into an arena called the Don Kolop Arena. And it's really cool, man. The mats roll up and the curtains slide out and we fill it all in with chairs. And it's, it's, a, it's an incredible venue, actually. I, you know, when, when I designed the whole place, I designed it to be a gym and, and to transform. But I didn't realize that the arena 
side of things would, would just take on a whole life of its own. And we have, we have other companies that come rent our facility, put on their shows. So, you know, sometimes we have shows every weekend for just various companies. So it's really become somewhat of a, uh, a hub for pro wrestling in, in the area. That's awesome. I, I have to go check out a show there. I think that's it. That sounds, that sounds really cool. Um, thanks a lot, Anthony, for joining me for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks no for problem. coming on for the talking uh, wrestling and, and comedy with me. Like I said before, I'm an absolutely uh, huge fan of yours. So this is a real treat for me. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. A uh, legendary moment from the great Santino Morella as he battles with Mick Foley. Check it out on YouTube. It's a great segment. It's in wrestling history. Big thanks to Anthony slash Santino. Once again, very, very cool talking to him. I felt I felt like a little kid. Felt like I was in my basement watching pro wrestling again, talking to Anthony. Um, it was friggin' awesome. And if you're in the GTA, Toronto area, Anthony uh, owns, runs Battle Arts Academy. They do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, pro wrestling, like he said, boxing, kind of the full gamut of, of mixed martial arts. And to find out more on them, just go to battleartsacademy.ca. My next interview is a huge star. You know him from SNL. You know him from his sitcom, According to Jim. It is Jim Belushi. Very, very excited to have Jim. Jim now is the owner and creator of Belushi's Farm, a cannabis farm on the West Coast of the United States. And they sell their products all across the United States. So my US listeners, if you're looking for some good cannabis, it's definitely Belushi's Farm is the one to get. Uh, Jim, Jim was on here to talk about Dan Aykroyd. We also got into a little bit of John Candy talk. They were very good friends uh, when John was around. We talked about Jim and John and Dan hanging out in Toronto in the early 90s when, when John owned the, the Toronto Argonauts. We talked a lot about the Blues Brothers. Of course, we talked cannabis. It was super cool that Jim uh, had time for me and came on the show, and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my interview with the great Jim Belushi. When was the first time you met Dan? Oh, 1975. Well, wait a minute. I mean, I knew of them because of Second City, but they were in Kent. 75, I think, was in John's apartment in New York when they had just gotten Saturday Night Live and John and him got so excited because they thought that this would be a stepping stone to get on the Hollywood squares. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, were, what, that's what, yeah. They were so excited. They go, Hollywood Squares, man. We're going to get to the squares, man. <laughs> they, they wanted to be the center square. Yeah. They were fighting over who's going to be the center square. That's hilarious. Of course, uh, Dan was in, you know, SNL, Ghostbusters, and then he, the Blues Brothers with your brother. And then uh, you came along as well with the Blues Brothers after. What was that like touring with Dan? Because you guys were touring right up until COVID, right? Uh, yes, we've been touring for probably 25 years. I call him a joy boy. Him and John Candy, I call joy boys. Do, do you remember doing the uh, Toronto Rocks in 2003? I, I I remember that that show fondly. Your band was incredible, and it was amazing. Uh, you you and Dan on, on stage in front of all those people in Toronto. 
Oh, that was like Woodstock. I mean, I have a picture of me standing on stage with that crowd behind us, and it looks like a CGI effect. It was incredible, yeah. and it was a beautiful thing. I don't live far from there, and everybody around here has has a story has a story about that day. You know what my uh, favorite story is? Tell it. Love to hear it. That place was cleared out in an hour. There was no trash on the ground. There was not one fist fight. Everybody was civilized. Amazing. I, I love the amazing. Hear, I mean, yeah. That, that's it takes pro- longer. It, it takes longer to get out of Soldier Field after Bears game. This That's was a, so, people were so polite, nice, picked up after themselves, grounds were clean. It was great. And then we took a train ride into town. It was great. That's a, that's a proud Canadian moment for all of us Canadians. One member of the, uh, who's already in the Hall of Fame, <clears throat> who Dan will, will be joining is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is John Candy. Um, oh, an absolute legend. He actually hosted your first episode on SNL. Is that yes, right? he did. Yeah, I remember clearly. Remember seeing him in uh, 17th floor in the office when he walked in, and it was me and him, and we just we just laughed and hugged. <laughs> and he he was going on about uh, you know so let's get some lunch. He goes, ah, oh, no, uh, you know I'm I'm uh, I'm dieting. He goes, no, I'm not dieting actually. I'm having a lifestyle change. No more pasta, no more bread. <laughs> okay, Johnny. He was keto uh, before it was keto. Yeah, yeah, he was funny. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, he said, what do you want to do? I said, John, you're the host. You know, it's more about what do you want to do? He goes, ah, oh, Jimmy boy. This is your first show on Saturday Night Live. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to do Johnny LaRue. And he goes, I was in six scenes with Johnny that week. We rode all week and laughed. And it's the only time I've ever peed in my pants. I remember the phone booth scene. That that one's hilarious, where, where he was the priest and you two were... Uh, the phone booth con- confessional. Um, yes, yes. And then the prison we were in. Yeah. I mean, uh, we did a lot together. We opened with Johnny LaRue. It was great. I remember, uh, I watched it. I had Jen Candy, uh, John's daughter, uh, on, on my show um, a few weeks ago. We talked about the early 90s in, in the Toronto Argos and coming to the CFL game. And there's that clip that I see all the time of you and Dan and John doing the Blues Brothers bit halftime of the Argos games. That must have been a lot of fun for you coming up to Toronto and hanging out with those guys. I told you, the Joy Boys. I I just kind of tagged around like a little brother. They just swept me up into their beauty of excitement and joy and fun and creativity and collaboration. And, you know, these guys are definitely Hall of Famers. I mean generous the most generous men not only you know uh, 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 creatively they were extremely generous they still danny just wants to make you look good right true ensemble artists there's no competition there's only how do i make you look good how do we make this scene look good how do we do this dance better on, on the blues brothers 
Yeah. yeah. And Dan, I, I've heard you speak about Dan, you know, a few times in doing research about this, about, you know, there's, there's been some times where you're like, ah, I don't know. And Dan's kind of like, nope, you're, you're going to be in the Blues Brothers. This is what's going to happen. You know, kind of, kind of bringing you along a bit. Uh, oh, he dragged me into it. Absolutely. It was, a, yeah. it was one of the greatest gifts given to me in my life. It was the gift of music and to sing and dance with Danny and all those beautiful men and women of the band. The band is so incredible too. Amazing. Um, they are amazing. Belushi's farm, you know, that's where you're, 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 it's a real passion for you. Now I can really tell, you know, making this cannabis medicine and helping people with anxiety and pain and PTSD and, and, and all these things. I love the quote, Belushi's farm was created as a gateway to healing. Can you, can you just talk about Belushi's farm and, and what you're trying to accomplish with this amazing products that you're, you're creating? I mean, it, I mean, daily yesterday, I was like, CBD, baby, take some CBD, mm -hmm. you know, fighting depression, you know, getting off of drugs and, and moving on to cannabis, um, uh, uh, cancer, chemotherapy, losing appetite, people in hospice that are, they drug them up with morphine and the family can't even talk to them because they're just so out of it. Give them a candy bar. They'll be out of the pain of managing it enough to where they can still relate to their family to the very end. Veterans with PTSD, people that have broken bones and car accidents. Everybody is suffering. Everybody knows somebody who's suffering. And everybody yeah. reaches for the most easy medicine, and that is alcohol. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even take like Valium or Xanax or Ambien or even Advil anymore. And my body feels better. My mind feels clear. It's a, I feel spiritually in a better place. It's amazing to me that it's taken us this long to get to this point with government. And we're, we're still not there, right? We're still, we're still not there with government. Well, the the thing is, that. is that the thing is, is, and, and I experienced it firsthand because I was playing a, a, a defense attorney and I met with the uh, district attorneys in Los Angeles. And in one of the conversations, they were talking about how they were going to raid like 15 cannabis uh, stores in California. And I'm mean, well, going, what, what are you doing? They're just little people with mom and pop shops. He goes, there's an election coming up. It's always been for politics. Camilla Harris. She busted so many pot smokers and growers in California to get her numbers up of fighting crime in order to campaign. I mean, it's always been a political, you know, let's bust some pot smokers uh, to show how that we're good on crime. You know, and, and now it's like 37 states are legal, either, you know, adult use or medical. I mean rap anymore and then there's still a few people in the senate that are still stuck with that rap mm -hmm. but uh, it'll change I, I like how you've tied in the blues brothers too you guys have the blues brothers uh the working man's brand that uh notion of of music and how uh music is that physical and sensory way and, and cannabis always brings out that spiritual aspect of it too so that that's pretty amazing the blues brothers band brand uh i love that and the picture of you and, and elwood on the uh on on the branding is great it's really john and danny on the packaging right. but yeah 
but you know, it, it is it is the only brand in cannabis because it's the only it's a forty year old brand. It has emotion, story, and joy to it. You know, it's not just a pretty box like everything else in cannabis. It's you know, it's it's the music which we're saying is is the closest to God you can get. All music comes from gospel. You know, it's spiritual. It's uplifting. You know, it's mischievousness. The fun of the Blues Brothers, and so you can have fun too. You know, with yep. cannabis. And and the most important part to me is the mission from God, which is the healing, and the helping. You know, bringing the light, bringing people to enlightenment. You know, so it's a perfect brand. And Danny called it the working man's brand. You know, it's like ah, uh, you know, uh, a, a guy working a night shift that the GM Motors should be able to go out at two fifteen and take a a little bit hit of a, his a working man's brand to keep his head clear and uh, give him the strength and energy to finish the shift. It's a working man's brand. We yeah. got to price it right. It's all right. I love that. I love, I love that, that spirit of Dan in, in the company too. Thanks a lot, Jim, for, for hopping on with me and talking about Dan and, and John Candy for a few minutes. Uh, oh, big, I love both of them so much. I'm, I'm a you big fan know, of yours. They're my yeah. two, they are my two brothers. They adopted me. We'd love to have you uh, up in Canada when, when Dan gets inducted into the Hall of Fame and, and have a big party. And I'd, I'd love to come to Belushi's farm someday for, for one of those harvest parties in the fall. So thanks again. You really got it, it, man. You got it. There's a little Blues Brothers music for you, just to get you going. That was a ton of fun talking to Jim about Dan and John Candy and his cannabis products. As you, you could hear the passion in his voice. And his website's really cool. You should check it out. It's belushisfarm.com. All kinds of amazing stuff on there, including more into the story of how Jim got involved in cannabis. It really is kind of an amazing story. That's it for episode number 10. It was great talking to these two guys, Santino can't thank him enough for coming on Uh, i've been trying to connect with santino for a while i thought he would be a great interview and he was so nice great guy battlearartsacademy.ca if you're in the gta and you're, you're looking to get involved in mixed martial arts jim belushi so amazing that he had time for this this little podcast we do in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Uh, as soon as I said Dan Aykroyd, he was all over it. Gave me the time. Great guy. Belushi'sFarm.com for more information on everything Belushi's Farm and all the cool work he's doing. Thanks again to everybody that listens. Can't wait to see what the next 10 episodes have in store. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. CanadianComedyHall.com is where to go to vote. This is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast.